from Megan, a pastor in the Anabaptist Mennonite tradition, a walker in the way of Jesus, or at least one who on my better days tries, a companion seeker and a journeying one, alongside many who share a longing for the full realization of God's shalom vision of a just peace for all creation. To all in Seattle, beloved of God, and called to be a hospitable, discerning, and faithful people, grace and peace from our Amma Mama God and Jesus the Incarnate One. First, I thank my God every time I think of you for the way that your faith buoys and complicates and inspires my own. With God as my witness, I pray for you with each spirit breath. Do I long to see you? Life is busy and sometimes I'd rather sleep in on Sunday mornings, truth be told. And then we come together and I receive so many spirit gifts from each of you. And our common commitment to living the best of our faith together, not to mention our singing with one another, is such an encouragement that if I don't always feel a longing to see you, I am always and truly always glad, grateful to have been with you. I owe a debt to too many to count, for if not exactly ashamed, I tremble at the assignment to be a proclaimer of God's good news. And I take courage that I am not alone, but rather with you all in that proclamation and embodiment and living of God's good news. (sighs) Having greeted you, I set out this morning to first share some Cliff's notes on Paul and his letter to the Romans. And second, to share a gleaming nugget of good news from what we heard this morning in Paul's start to the letter, at Rome, of, uh, the letter to the Romans, his comprehensive greeting, which has inspired my own this morning. So first, some Cliff's notes on Paul and Romans. And on each point, I'm going to make a point both state it both positively and then negatively, what it is and what it is not, with a lot of gratitude to... Christer Stendhal, and his clear and punchy little treatise, Final Account, Paul's Letter to the Romans, to my seminary professor, Pam Eisenbaum, who was a Jewish scholar of Paul, uh, and who taught me my, uh, a class on Romans and has impacted my understanding of Paul the Jew. And to many others whom Pam introduced me to, including Krista Stendhal and many others in the course of studying Romans with her. Also with gratitude to my father-in-law, Linford Stutzman, sailor and scholar of Paul, um, who is in Turkey at the moment. Um, The boat is docked. He's having some medical issues. So I'm shouting out my father-in-law this morning and would ask for your prayers for him as they figure out what's happening with his heart. 
Linford Stutzman, my father-in-law, who continues to impact my understanding of Paul the Sailor. And whenever I've gotten it wrong in these Cliffs notes, that's on me, not any of the fine people that I've just credited. So with no further ado, author. The author of Romans is Paul, a Jew, and an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul is not a convert from one religion to another, but a Jewish apostle to Gentiles. Form. Romans is a letter. Paul was not self-consciously writing scripture or even a comprehensive or systematic theology, but a letter, correspondence to a particular community in Rome. Genre. Paul's letter to the Romans is an account of his mission. It isn't teaching, he's not setting out to instruct them. If it is theology, it is a theology of the Pauline mission to the Gentiles. Paul isn't teaching the Romans or instructing them on anything, he is giving them an account. He's telling them a story of his mission to the Gentiles He is sharing his apostolic strategy, how he's going about what he's doing, and how he understands that to be part of God's mission in the world. Method. Dictation. Paul hasn't written or penned a single thing. He didn't write an outline. He didn't take notes on note cards. He didn't arrange and rearrange them to make them all make sense. He didn't draft and redraft and work and rework a thesis. He orally dictated a greeting to a community in Rome that someone else would carry for him. Audience. We've already kind of covered this, but audience. Gentiles in Rome. Not fellow Jews. Not Judaizing Gentiles whom Paul addresses in others of his letters that we have. And Judaizing Gentiles are Gentiles who mimic Jews, appropriating Jewish ways, faith, and lifestyle. Paul remained a Jew his whole life. He believed fervently that Jesus had created a way for Gentiles to be adopted into God's family. And so he was an apostle of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, but he did not believe that Gentile believers should become Jews, or even like Jews, and he did not believe that Jews should reject their Jewishness and become like Gentile believers. This is complicated, and if it's new for you, probably a little confusing, so I'm going to come back to the simple. Paul's audience for Romans is Gentiles in Rome. Style. Arrogant. (laughs) Doug and I didn't compare notes on this, but I could have said pompous just as easily. Paul, and, and this is just completely into its core arrogant. Paul and his letter to the Romans were not humble, not uncertain, and certainly not ashamed. And here I'm going to default to uh, Krister Stendhal's punchy little treatment of this. Paul was arrogant. 
Full stop. But he was so blatantly arrogant that one can somehow cope with it. He was always the greatest, the greatest of sinners, the greatest of apostles, the greatest when it came to speaking in tongues, the greatest at having been persecuted. This is because he wasn't married, or perhaps that is why he wasn't married. (laughs) Nobody could stand him. But he was great, and that makes his battle with his weakness so moving on a quite personal level. Chronology. Final. Romans was Paul's final letter. Unintentionally so. He was not self-consciously writing his final later. Uh, Not writing. He was not self-consciously dictating, orally, his final letter, his final account of his mission strategy, the final summation of his apostolic narrative. He simply got arrested before he had the chance to write another letter. These words in Romans are the last that we have from Paul. Purpose. Paving the way for a visit to Rome. We learn near the end of Romans, it appears in chapter 15, that Paul was done with his mission in the east and he was going west, young man. He had his sights set on Spain and Rome was on the way. So in Romans, he was not checking in with a community that he began, that he started, that he nurtured, where he had been before. Unlike others of his letters, he was not responding to a particular situation or conflict in the Roman community. He was paving a way for a stopover visit in Rome on his way to Spain. Reason. The reason for that. Paul was a pioneer, a sailor, an adventurer, a man-on-the-move-ants-in-his-pants sort of person, always ready to head out to new frontiers. According to my father-in-law in this, one of his books, an explorer and an experimenter. And it's always been my principle to work where nobody else has worked, Paul states as his reason for being done in the east and ready to head west towards Spain. And in the NRSV, it says that Paul makes it his ambition to proclaim the good news where no one has come before. He is not a homebody. He is not a content or careful, slow or methodical sort. Paul was a pioneering spirit, always headed out. Suggested reading location. Uh, from this, I'm going to for this one, I'm going to read from my father-in-law, Linford Stutzman, um, who, in this particular excerpt that I'm about to read to you, is speaking of the Book of Acts, which tells a narration, the story of Paul. But I think it has an interesting parallel to Paul's letters, which were certainly written while he was on the move, because he was always on the move. I have become increasingly convinced that in order to understand and appreciate Paul and the first century Roman Empire, one really should read Acts in a cramped, 
damp sailboat with no privacy while the boat is pitching and heaving in a storm, packed with strangers, all of whom are pitching and some of whom are heaving as well. (laughs) Suggested reading location. Final plot twist. Paul does eventually make it to Rome, but not as an apostle to the Gentiles and a visitor of the community there as he had hoped and paved the way for, but rather as a prisoner. In fact, Paul will be executed in Rome, not the stopover visit and route to Spain that he had imagined. And here's a P.S. on these Cliffs notes, and then we'll move on. Commentators, preachers, scholars, regular Bible-reading, Jesus-following Christians have lavished Paul's letters, including but not limited to Romans, with with attention and care. And I mean lavished. One example from a Romans commentary that's sitting on my bookshelf. um, In a sentence where every word carries heavy theological freight, Paul ensures that the emphasis falls precisely where he intends. That is assigning a great deal of intentionality to this letter that Paul dictated. Like I alluded to earlier, I had a whole class on Romans. I really dig biblical digging. The Bible courses that I took in seminary were some of my favorites. I filled up, I didn't know that I would do this, but I filled up most of my electives in seminary with classes on a particular Bible, a book in the Bible, where we would just dig into it. I just loved the Bible classes. And yet, Paul was dictating letters to particular communities and particular places for uniquely particular reasons. He was not self-consciously writing theology, even as we try to figure out what Paul's systematic theology was. He was not writing theology or general instruction of faith and belief, and he was certainly never self-consciously writing scripture, something that would thousands of years later be considered sacred and holy and the word of God. While the haver of a robust ego, as we have um, explored with Paul, I would like to think that even Paul would be humbled or perhaps even chagrined to know that we were nitpicking his every word, assigning theological freight to every word, and seeing that he got the precision right there. So I enjoy the nitpicking, and specifically in Paul's letters, I'm not sure it's always fair of us to do that. It's important, I think, to do this Cliff's Notes of Romans and of Paul because we're going to hang out in Romans for a couple of weeks. Um, Unlike the other lectionary, don't just get to skip Paul. I'm actually being forced to preach Paul. So we're going to hang out here for a couple of weeks, and this felt important to do in terms of context. So now, as promised, to close, a gleaming nugget of good news from what we heard this morning the start of Paul's letter to the Romans. I think there is good news in the mere fact of his comprehensive words of greeting, his loquacious words of greeting, to a community that he didn't know personally, a community he didn't start, uh, a community he had never visited, but whom he intended 
to visit, and with whom he experienced connection and common cause. Paul is writing to Gentiles in Rome, people he's never met, and from whom he is geographically way separated. But his passion as a Jew is for Gentiles that he believes have been adopted into God's family, thanks be to God, by the life, death, and life again of Jesus. And so he cares for them deeply, even across many miles. And it makes me ponder, as we sit in this room, makes me ponder the many faith communities that have shaped each one of us that are out there somewhere. And when I look at you all, I can almost see it. I can almost see the network out of so many faith communities that have shaped us in positive and challenging ways. It seems to me extra poignant and appropriate to celebrate this gift of connection this morning, given how we will soon send Christy Darlene from her ministry internship here among us. And while we get to hold on to her here in Seattle and at SMC for another year, at least as she wraps up her studies, when she's completed her seminary degree, I think it's quite possible we could be sending her, really sending her to some ministry setting somewhere else in some other place. And another silky, shimmering thread of that spider web out will be cast. It's actually fortuitous, and I didn't know that Tina would be here, one of the pastors at Shalom Mennonite Fellowship in Tucson. Fortuitous that you are here among us, Tina, as an embodiment of another one of those silky, shimmering threads. Together we have linked in ministries, a variety of ministries. Most recently we partnered together because a Mennonite pastor in North Carolina, of all places, said, hey, Tina down there in Tucson is working with Pastora Imelda, who's in detention and is being held on bond. Can we all chip in a little bit of money across the country and bond her out? And the spider web worked. <laughs> Thanks be to God. <laughs> Uh, and in April, she was bonded out. Last I knew, she was in Indianapolis with Nicaraguan friends. Any update? Um, she's visiting other Mennonite churches in Indianapolis, and she's so happy to be free. And Lovely. Thanks be to God. Connecting with Mennonites in Indianapolis, Pastor Shannon Dykus down there at First Mennonite ND is probably one of her connections. And there it is. That's what Paul is doing in Romans. He's calling out these connections for the sake of common identity and common cause. Here in Romans, Paul is showing up for a community at a distance for that purpose of common identity and cause, which, according to him, even just in this greeting, is good news, it is God's justice, and it is life. And it is God's justice that is born of faith and gives birth to faith. Is Paul reaching out to a community at a distance for expressing gratitude to them for the way that they have buoyed and complicated and inspired his own faith, for mutually encouraging one another across the miles, for planning a visit to spend some time with one another in the future? And this takes me back to that Romans remix greeting at the start of my sermon for, if not exactly ashamed, 
I tremble at the assignment of being a proclaimer of God's good news. And I take courage that I'm not alone, but rather with you all in that proclamation and embodiment of God's good news in the world. And one step further, I take courage that we are not alone, but are rather with so many others across so many miles in the proclamation and embodiment of God's good news in this world. So, to all in Seattle, beloved of God, and called to be a hospitable, discerning, and faithful people, grace and peace from our Ama Mama God and the Incarnate One, Christ Jesus. Thanks be to God.